That's it. It's finally here. Atari Hacker Pro is back after two years of not being available. We've finally taken the time to make it great again and bring it back to the halls of people that have been begging us to get in and we've said no to for two years. So in today's episode, Mark and I have a little bit of a celebratory episode where we have multiple segments, first sharing the origin stories behind many of the Atari Hacker Pro blueprints, then electing our favorite three Atari Hacker Pro members, and finally sharing some cool stuff that we learned from the members inside the Atari Hacker Pro group recently. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I am exhausted. Mark, how are you feeling at the end of this preparation for this lunch? I'm even more exhausted, and it's even worse because tomorrow, or actually in two days, I'm moving house. So, and I haven't done any packing yet. So, Mark is so exhausted that the Atari Hacker Pro videos he's making in a group, he's basically in pajama. That's how exhausted he is. There is a hashtag pajama video at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you've packed the rest of your clothes and you're just living in pajama right now, isn't it? To be perfectly honest with you, I just wear pajamas all day. So, that's just what I normally wear. <laughs> Nothing to do with being tired. That is a great way to build credibility before we sell an expensive course to the people that are listening. By the way, if you want to join Atari Hacker Pro before we go on to this podcast, you can actually go check the offer on atarihacker.com slash pro. As I said, it is not our cheapest course, but it is the most complete, the most, uh, with nothing held back. There is, we just for this update, we actually recorded between Mark and I, 134 videos, I counted them the other day as I was doing the sales page. It's like, I've never, I've never talked this much. It's like, even like Paulina, who lives with me, who like uh, actually copied like a bunch of the files. She was like, holy shit, I didn't realize you recorded this much. I'm like, yeah, now you know why I'm exhausted. So that's basically where we're at. But to be honest, I, I'm, I'm happy because uh, it's like some parts of Atari Hacker Pro I was not too happy with, and now it's like everything's updated. And honestly, I think we got a lot better at doing this stuff. And, and I think overall, it's quite cool. The returns we had from existing Atari Hacker Pro members who we have given access to the new stuff already uh, has been really good. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. But let's jump onto the podcast. The thing that I think a lot of people will be asking is like, oh, why are you doing these courses? Why are you not just using these tactics yourself to build sites? And I think it's like, we need to be honest here. We need to just open up about this because... Uh, that is a legitimate question. So like, how would you answer it? So most people, I believe, mistakenly view this as a kind of binary choice. You have on one side, you can either just secretly in your secret laboratory in the frozen north, you know, go and implement all these things which you know and never tell anyone, talk to anyone, do anything about it. Or on the other hand, you can actually not really know any of this stuff, not really do any of this stuff at all, but just tell other people to do it. But the reality is neither of those is kind of, well, reality. There's kind of like a scale and you, you can do both. You can do something, you can improve on something, and you can also teach other people to do it at the same time. I think what's interesting specifically about authority sites is that most of the skills which you need to possess in order to build an authority site, in order to well, let's face it, teach people something on your site because you're, you, that's generally what you're doing in your product reviews or in any of your kind of informational content, whatever your niche is, right? If you're in paintball, you're teaching people how a paintball gun works so you can tell them which one to buy. The skills you need to do that and the kind of personality and motivation you need to do that is very similar to teaching people a course about how to build a website, say. So there's a lot more of an overlap on, on that front than, than people think. So that's kind of like one angle. And the other thing around this is that it sucks, man, working on your own, like going through implementing all this stuff and like not talking to people. You get stuck in this, like, I mean, I've done it before. You get stuck in this rut. You never really know if you're kind of on the right track or like, you know, you're doing things in the best way possible or if someone else out there has actually figured out a much better, cheaper, faster, more efficient, higher quality way of, of doing things, which is often the case when you have processes like content creation and, and link building. And so just like, 
interacting with other people and like having real feedback and talking with people and sharing ideas and just like being open-minded about this stuff. I mean, I know some people are maybe a bit more closed-minded from that comes from a protectionist mindset where they don't want other people to kind of compete with them and copy them. And there's an element of that as well. I, I, it's never great when people are like copying your keywords and directly. It's a reality. It happens, but it's like, it's not as bad as people would think it is. Yeah. It's, it's really not as, as bad as people think it is. The benefit I found from being more open than more closed has kind of outweighed the sort of closed-minded approach in terms of like the stuff I've learned from other people, not to mention the fact that when you teach something like, holy shit, do you have to know what you're talking about? Because people will tear you apart if you don't. So it forces you more than anything, more than a business partner, more than a you know quarterly profit statement will ever do. It forces you to really internalize what you know and what you want to teach so that you're doing it correctly and in the most efficient way possible. Every single time we record a blueprint, on a process which we already run and we have been running for ages in our business, we come up with a better way of doing it. We make it better. So it's the single biggest way we improve and we get better at, at what we're doing. It's kind of like killing two birds in one stone, right? It makes the processes we run for other parts of the business better because it forces us to spend a lot of time on it and thinking about it. And we're good at it. It's just that kind of like things that you can do, but you end up never doing because they kind of like kill all the time and you always find a better excuse or something else to do. Well, this kind of like forces us to like head down, focus on like one tiny part of business for a number of weeks. Like, I mean, a blueprint does take multiple weeks to record and months sometimes for the bigger ones. Yeah. It really takes a long time, basically. And so it's, but it's really nice. It kind of like gives a focus to your life. And it's kind of like an exam, right? It's like there's an output that uh, needs to come out of it. So you can't just bullshit your way through like, oh, yeah, I did it, you know, which, to be frank, a lot of entrepreneurs do. Like, you actually have to show off your work at the end. And that actually builds that, that it really forces you to go 100% in it. And it's, it, I really enjoy it. I learn a lot doing this. It's kind of like, I think both of us are quite deadline sort of driven. So if we have an occasion that we need to rise to, we will do it. No questions. But when there's no pressure on, we get a bit lazy sometimes, honestly. I think teaching in this way really forces us to kind of, as I said, bring our A game. And, you know, let's be honest as well. Let's be honest as well. There's money in this. Yeah, we're making money, of course. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's getting two birds in one stone. It's like we're helping people. We're making money. And it forces us to be better. Exactly. That's three birds. But yeah, you get the idea. That's a fucking amazing stone then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one day we'll animate that in a sales video or something. A lot of birds will die, like Twitter birds or something. Yeah. So there's that. And there's the mix of uh, actually learning from the Expo community. I think some blueprints like we've reshot parts of it like two or three times. And a lot of the times, the things that we've reshot came from people who have like consumed that blueprint Then we had discussions with. And then they're like, oh, actually, like there's that function in Excel that allows you to like speed things up massively or something like this. And that feedback and that getting, building that like close community. So I know there's a lot of open communities like Facebook groups, et cetera. But honestly, it's, it's, it's a bit of a different league here because, because of the way the community is closed and uh, there's not too many people inside. Essentially, like people open up more and also it's just much higher level in general. Like the fact that people have to pay to get in just essentially just puts people who are all, on average doing better in a group and uh, just elevates the debate of, rather than like, oh, is SEO dead or something like this all the time. And so I've had like really interesting discussions that really like made me question a lot of things. And at the end of this podcast, we're actually going to elect our favorite age pro members. Doesn't mean we don't like the others, but uh, it's just, uh, we thought it was a fun thing to finish the podcast with. And I think I mentioned a bunch of stuff I learned from these people as well, because uh, honestly, there's like ballers in this group, like people, people who make more, definitely more money than us that we have learned a lot from, et cetera. And we don't want to be positioning ourselves as like the gurus that know everything and just throw everything at you. We, we have good experience, but so do a lot of people in your group. And uh, I think the power of this is that we try to push it back to people rather than like pushing ourselves forward, right? Another thing as well for me for doing this is personally, I just love technology and the niche, et cetera. You can ask Mark, I have so many gadgets and things like this, et cetera. And when I don't buy physical technology items, I buy 
software and all of that. And I was doing that way before Atari Hacker Pro, before all of that. I was already doing this and being crazy about this. And I could answer any question about any online marketing tool. And I know what the menu item is, et cetera. And it's just something I'm, I do, something I like. And so like this has just matched my affinities quite well. We have done that in, like we've done similar things in other niches than online marketing, but we kind of need to hide because... Uh, you know, especially publicly on the podcast, like if we give something up, then a lot of people will like hunt it down, try to copy it, et cetera. And there is still a level of people copying our stuff. So the stuff we share publicly tends to be stuff that is harder to copy and or require more upfront investment so that it weeds out more of these copycats. Uh, but some stuff that's maybe smaller or like growing, et cetera, we can't really share, but we've done that in other niches as well. So that's basically it, I think for me, for for why we, we do this. We're making money. It's structuring our thinking. It's connecting us to an amazing network of people who are uh, sometimes just doing much better than us and have more experience and so on. And, and we've learned a lot. We've met a lot of these people in real life as well. And uh, we will be in uh, Chiang Mai SEO. I'm speaking there. Uh, we'll be in Bali and we're both speaking there actually in the MSS. I think there's still tickets for the MSS actually. And so when we go to these occasions, like we're, we're lucky enough to meet a lot of like listeners and customers, etc. We have this big uh, dinner in Chiang Mai in an undisclosed location publicly, but there's a lot of people coming up basically. And it's really cool. Honestly, like it's been really cool to build this community. And it's really cool to see this community just like basically thriving and friendships building without us having to be here or anything is just organically building up on its own right now it's really cool i think the the one that really kind of made me realize wow this is something was two years ago i, I think the first chiang mai seo conference we, we weren't there ourselves but there was like nine or ten h pro members who who were there and they made a dinner and they took a photo they all met up in person they took a photo of it and posted it in the group and i'm like holy shit that's fucking cool yeah it's like it's funny because like you live in scotland now but um we were both living in budapest at the time and honestly in budapest like we have no idea we just don't know like nobody knows who the hell we are and and there's just not that many people following us that live here there's some like there's some people who like tweeted at us etc but in general we just don't have that like real life feedback but when we showed up to these industry events that was really cool to see like all the blog readers, podcast listeners, etc. So yeah, if you've been around, it's been really nice. But I think enough tears for now. <laughs> Let's actually jump into kind of like the backstories of um, some of the blueprint stuff that we've done. So we kind of have like multiple categories of blueprints in Atari Hacker Pro. We're not going to go through all of them because uh, it would be a really long podcast, but we kind of like want to walk you through like kind of like this evolution that we talked about in like why we're doing this and the stuff we learned and how shitty stuff was and how much better it got by you know messing up most of the time uh, so we're going to do three categories we're going to do content production we do have three brand new blueprints on content production we have hiring your editorial team we have building an editorial system and we have keyword research actually so these three advanced blueprints kind of like work together have been recorded at the same time and it's it's a lot of videos i think in there's around 80 90 videos in total for these it's, it's quite a lot it shows like it's basically like how to build a massive content creation engine. So let's kind of like go back in the early days when Mark and I had an agency and essentially had to create content for clients. And also we were doing a lot of guest posting at the time. So we had to create content around that. So do you want to walk us through like how this used to work? Yeah. So in our agency days, we had, this wasn't at the peak where this was kind of when we had maybe 30, 40 clients, something like that. Uh, and we were producing a lot of content for link building, content for the blog, for each client. There are all sorts of different niches. So we worked with quite a lot of writers. Quite a few were generalists, and they would be spread over quite quite a number of different niches. Essentially, we needed to have one full-time person whose job it was just to manage these people. And we're not talking about checking their work and editing it and, and all that. It, the job was just to organize stuff. So hey, you do this one. Hey, have you done this? Okay, thank you. I'll put this document over here. Oh, you need paying. I'll do that. Sounds like a two-minute job or something. And with our editorial process, it actually is a two-minute job right now. But That's insane to think we had a full-time person on payroll to do that. Yeah, exactly. This was going back, what, six, seven years ago? Maybe a little bit more even. But that was the state where we started at when we were doing like a lot of content production and the content we produced was very average. We weren't really like outputting very high quality stuff. 
it was just yeah it was a it was a bit of a mess to be honest the thing as well is like you've got to consider the way the industry has evolved right it's like good content at the time would probably be considered shit content now it's like um when you look at things like health ambition for example right like when we started health ambition we were like oh my god this is so above everything else etc when we just started i don't know if it was misjudgment on our end which it may very well very well might be but i also think that the industry leveled up massively yeah so in order to rank back then you just needed to have some content unique content no one these days is is saying oh i'm going to produce some unique content because unique content is shit content if the best quality of your content is that this string of world has never been written before it's probably not very good, you know. <laughs> so that's the agency days, right? It was just like blend content. We had a lot of resources put to just managing the process. I think one thing that was different compared to now is we tried to be very cheap on the writer costs. And I think that's also what drove management costs up because usually cheap writers tend to also be unreliable with deadlines, etc., which would probably justify the fact that we need more management for it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you said, trying to, trying to get a two cents a word writer actually costs you more money in the long term from like fuck ups and mistakes and having to f spend more time recruiting other people and, and, and stuff. So it's, it's worth spending a little bit more for sure. Yeah. So I think the next step that we can mention that is publicly known would be health ambition, right? So health ambition was like our kind of like first authority site. As you know, it hasn't done very well with the updates. We have talked about this multiple times, but at the time it was doing quite well and, uh, and grew quite well. So we will mention it in there. And it was a very slight upgrade from the agency days, right? I remember our first writer, I'm not going to give his family name. I'll just say he was called Andy. And he just used to be a writer for everything. He writes fantasy novels right now, et cetera. Just, just not a health writer, right? Not all, not, but, you know, he would kind of write kind of average-ish, okay, keyword-focused type articles. Uh, we had a little bit more structure in place. Do you remember how we first ordered? I think when we first ordered content, it was literally just like over Skype. Yeah, something. over Skype. It was, it was a list of keywords, basically. Yeah, I would literally just like make a list of keywords, go through a keyword tool for like 10 minutes, make a list of like 10 keywords for the week, and then just copy-paste the list on Skype and be like, good luck. And uh, did you do the hiring of the writers at the time? Because you historically, you've been doing hiring the writers, except for a lot of like Atari Hacker stuff. So I can't remember if I hired him or not. Probably, though. Yeah. Uh, it's like, do you remember how the hiring process was at the time? Yeah, it was either there would be someone we knew or like a friend of a friend and like, hey, do you know any of your good writers? And someone would be like, yeah, try, try this guy. He wrote an article for one of my clients once. Like, okay, hey, can you write these 10 articles for us? Okay, cool. Like never really checking whether they're going to work or like whether they're good or honestly, it was more about speed. And we thought that by being fast, we were we were going to become successful rather than being thorough. I don't think it was wrong at the time, right? Again, you've got to put yourself back into the context of the, of the period, right? Like now it's like if you write health content, holy shit, you've got to be really careful. I think that applies to any niche though at the, at the moment, just because quality in general has leveled up massively over, over the last five years. People understand it. People know what makes good content. Honestly, five, six years ago, they really didn't. There were a few sites doing awesome, awesome stuff, but you know, 80% were, were just horrible, horrible in their content. Think of like all the big sites like about.com and... Well, now they're quite big, actually. They're like .dash. They have a lot of like uh, really strong... And they, they tanked a lot before that. I agree. Demon Media as well. Like even WikiHow, for example, used to be a shithole. And now it's like a lot better than it used to be. They even have like illustrators and everything. And it's kind of something to, to put in perspective for today as well. Like if you're listening to this, today's standards might will very likely be judged obsolete in just a few years, right? Um, and um, and that's what makes evergreen content kind of like ongoing work these days, just because these standards are leveling up so fast. And it's so easy now to look at these older sites and be like, oh, this is so shit. How could you have done that? But if you think about it and if you think about it in the context of the time at which it was built, very often things make sense at that time, but then looking in today's scope, it feels completely underwhelming uh, because there's new tools, because there's 
higher standards for workers because the whole industry is professionalizing, etc. So I think it's quite interesting to do that. I think one thing that we started eventually with uh, health submission is we started using briefs and we started using essentially like uh, standardized article structure where we would say like for a random preview, for example, you know, like write a bio guide first, then write five mini reviews, like, and then we'll put a table on top and every random preview is going to be like that. Like we started having that a few years down the line, if I remember well. Yeah. Like we, when we started doing like really getting into the hundreds of articles or pasts of two, three hundred and you know it was all over the place there were a few roundup reviews that were just working really well the best x for y type stuff we were identifying what was working particularly well in those and basically tried to repeat that and did repeat that over you know another 700 keywords or something like that and the only way to do that was to have that structure in, in place but, but it worked it worked at the time it worked at the time, but I would say nowadays, like that again, like looking at that scope at the time, it was it made sense. But like if we were doing this nowadays, I would probably actually work on like a altered structure on a category basis, you know, so that it's like more precise and uh, matches the search intent more, and like all these things that Google is doing now that weren't really a thing at the time. Even then, you know, it was a struggle to manage that whole process uh, because we we didn't have a system in place to kind of run it, to operate it. It was still a lot of conversations on Skype or by email, Google Docs and Word Docs flying all over the place. It was completely unstructured. We lost a bunch of articles, a bunch of Google Docs at one point when we migrated our G Suite and couldn't find the URLs or something like that. How many duplicate articles have we ordered as well? Where we're like, I order an article and then... And then we realized we already have an article for that keyword, like as it's delivered. So that's basically, I'm going to close house submission here. Uh, the next public thing known that we've done around content is that site that we sold at the beginning of, at the end of 2018. So basically like we built a content system for that around two years ago. So this was different because I mean, we'd had these initial learnings and initial experiences from health ambition. We had, you know, the structure of content briefs and uh, some semblance of a, an editorial process kind of at the back of our mind. But because we were starting this new site from scratch with new people and everything was fresh and we're starting from zero, we could build it properly or what we thought was properly at the time. And this was a massive step up. So we moved on to using asana to manage the content workflow we built proper workflow systems with like tasks and sequential tasks and due dates and calendars and everything was stored correctly and a bigger team being involved right it was more broken down with like an editor an uploader a writer a manager etc like it was just more people involved in general yeah, and everyone knew what they're doing everyone knew what was expected of them everyone knew when they had to deliver and everyone delivered it was good. It wasn't the the kind of final version, final evolution, but it was a, a huge step up from from what we were doing before. And I think it showed like in the growth of the site, I mean, the quality of the content. The problem is, what, I remember one issue we had with that site is like for one certain subcategory of content, like it ended up being quite subpar, like the first section of the articles. And because everything was so standardized, essentially we had like a hundred articles where we like needed to rewrite the intro because the format was just not very good for the search intent. This system was great and it allowed us to produce a lot of content with honestly at a much better rate per word as well. Like the efficiency was so much higher compared to the quality of the content. But if you let it run, let's say like you in this case for this site, it was very much the case, right? We would like I would literally check it once a week at best. Uh, usually Friday afternoon was the time where we like walked on that site till whenever I was done, like five hours or something. And we'd check like whatever was produced that week. But the problem is like if you kind of like had launched a machine in the wrong direction, <laughs> you ended up with like a pile of stuff that like needed to be redone and stuff. So there was, I think the, um, the quality check part of it could have been done better. And it's something that actually we've included a lot more in the new editorial system. Like there's this kind of like quality check steps for each article so that like not too much work gets done before there is before you realize there's a mistake basically yeah you're always trying to balance quantity and quality and i think the new system kind of has a an equal balance of of those two things i mean we might change our mind in a few years we'll definitely change our mind in a few years but we were but before we were skewed on like 
content quantity how can we mass produce a thousand articles and i think quality suffered a bit uh, because of that yeah and it's not just that but we live in a world where like basically updating your content seems to be like the most profitable or like the most worthy seo tactic like uh, basically updated content gets you the links of old content together with the like the, the ranking boost of freshness and so like the mass producing stuff was not as relevant anymore so like that's why we were almost like slow down the way we create content a little bit with this. But overall, still, this site was a massive step up compared to a lot of stuff before. And it shows in a growth. Like if you go check the case study, the site grew really fast. It was a pretty competitive niche. I think some people have guessed the niche now already. Like some people that PM me like, oh, is this this niche? I'm like, nah, I can't tell you, but you know. But yeah, it was a competitive niche and we still managed to grow really fast. And the standardization of content together with like the multiple rules and the fact that that's also the time where we start introducing these counter powers. So the incentive of a writer is to submit as many words as possible. But what we did is we built a counter power to that, which was the editor. And the editor, their goal was to not let any shitty word pass by to the website. Essentially, their goals were opposite. And by conflicting, that's what essentially rolls the quality of the content out there. And it's like more and more when we build these systems, there's kind of like these counter powers that are put in place so that one pushes the other and vice versa. So the writers push for volume and the editor pushes for quality. It clashes, meets in the middle, and eventually we have a decent volume with decent quality. And I think that worked pretty well. It didn't always work because obviously there's always ups and downs with this kind of editor system. But you can see this was a massive evolution compared to Health Ambition where it was just like pushing words and then quality would slip much more easily, I think. So I think that worked pretty well. And the last, actually, the last revamp that we've done was on uh, Atari Hacker. So Mark and I actually don't write the blog on Atari Hacker. It, we have people that write for us. We have Niall and Michel mostly. Uh, we do have other people that write like support content, etc., for it. But that was the final, the last one we did before we did this blueprint, actually. And this pushes Asana and like, all these things like to the ends level. You'll see when you go through the blueprint, but like all the dependencies, et cetera, automates a lot of the process. You have like templated tasks, et cetera. So you don't have to like do even the management part. You do it once. Then you just duplicate these processes and these templates with all the task descriptions of everything and so on. And it just like builds all these counter powers, pings the right people at the right time. You don't really have to set deadlines because it pings them when the next available action is ready, pings the right person, et cetera. And, and it has worked uh, quite well for us. It allowed us to create like really high level content. I mean, if you've been following a lot of the data stuff that we've done this year, this is pretty high level stuff. Uh, we've done like intense scraping and like debating on, on there about how to calculate these things, etc. And that editorial system has been able to support that while not feeling oppressive or taking too much time from us, which was uh, really good. And a derivation, actually an optimization of that is essentially what is in the editorial blueprint and then uh, for the hiring, you've also taken a lot of stuff from multiple sites that we've been running, et cetera. And acute research is also the process we use to feed these things. So essentially, these three blueprints will actually show you how to build. And actually, the funny part is I am going to retweak some of our editorial systems after this launch, because as we said, when I did this blueprint, I actually figured out a bunch of stuff. Actually. Yeah, so the, the system we have in the blueprint is actually better than the one we currently use because of that. This is what I'm talking about when I say that like we make some of our best improvements when we're building these blueprints. Okay, let's jump on to Nick building because this podcast is actually just passing really fast. I'll let you take it over. Okay, so link building is something which everybody wants more of. Everyone wants more links because links move the needle if they're, they're good links. And historically in HPro, we had a few kind of smaller link building blueprints. I remember looking at one of those one day and Gail had included this little video at the end of a skyscraper blueprint and it was called the shotgun skyscraper technique. I don't know like where this came from or where you, you got that idea from, but that one idea, I just looked at it and I thought, this is a magical idea executed horribly. <laughs> so just to, to, for a bit of context here, we've been doing link building for about 10 years now. We used to have an agency where we did online marketing for clients. We then tried to turn that into a productized service where we would where we sold guest posts. Uh, we did a thousand guest posts in one month at one point, but they weren't real guest posts, right? They were sponsored posts or you know where you'd pay a fee and they'd, they'd place them, these kinds of things. And it was just very like non-white hat, I guess. 
it was a race to the bottom and it ended up we ended up not actually optimizing any of our processes or systems because the staff would just basically find sites where they could pay and they would just always go to these sites because it was easy for them the lowest amount of friction and you know it worked to an extent we got the links clients were happy most of the time at least and that was that but we never really advanced our link building kind of knowledge that far after that so what ended up happening when we started our authority sites was that we were actually like a little bit shit at link building at the time to be honest i mean we had all these kind of like tactics and ideas and we knew the principles of them all but our experience and our execution was not great from that perspective so when uh, health ambition actually started taking off uh, in 2014 i think it was uh, we started making some money like oh we got to grow this further let's let's start doing link building and we would apply a few techniques and then like jump to the next one and then kind of forget about that first one and uh, then we'd hear about some other cool technique and we'd apply that but then never build a re repeatable process so if we were doing it ourselves it would like fall by the wayside as soon as something more interesting or more important came along and that was kind of like the cycle of, of link building like we knew how to do link building but we we didn't really know how to do it properly so when I saw this video, which Gail had in the, the skyscraper blueprint like three, four years ago, four years ago now, I think it was, I was like, this is amazing. Let's just take this, let's keep applying it and let's keep making it more, more and more efficient. Cause it was already a, a super efficient process. Right. And so by doing that over a long period of time and just like eking out these small optimizations, you know, like building a a step-by-step -step process for how to do the excel part so it was really fast or like maybe making a macro here or there to speed up this part of the process or you know like finding better tools which we could use to find people's email addresses for the prospecting part and finding out how to a b test templates and actually doing it these kinds of things they all just started to like stack up over time and suddenly this one small idea from a seven minute video turned into this like super hyper efficient process machine that was just spitting out hundreds of links for us every single month and so it's funny actually because you know at some point people were like not even consuming the blueprint they were just watching the last video and just that's it you yeah know? i was telling people don't just skip to the last video that's all you need but that was just like that was just here's the idea like what we deliver what we delivered with the shotgun skyscraper blueprint which we released in may which is part of ah pro by the way so if you go to authorityhacker.com pro right now then you also get this uh, included as well as a couple other link building blueprints, new ones as well. But the whole idea of having a system which you build like a machine in your business, which you build and it runs and you're optimizing it or it's already optimized, but you're further optimizing it. And it's just, it, it operates without you. That's what running a business for me is, is all about. It's not about, oh, how many hours can I work this week? It's about how smart can we be and how can we make this grow more than we could by just sheer hard work? How can we be smart about it? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's kind of like the philosophy behind all the new blueprints and all the blueprints in general. It's like building these systems that you don't have to pay too much attention to so you can put your attention elsewhere and just like progress versus kind of like running in a treadmill and having to do this again and again and come back, etc. And it's kind of like we explained that in the sales video at some point. I, I just did it today. That's how I, know, I remember. We're like, oh, at some point in our business, we were like focusing on one area of our business and it was getting a bit better, but then everything else would fall apart and we just essentially end up at the same place. And we had to like go and rebuild the other stuff while this one we just worked on just slowly shrinks back. And there's always a degree of that in a business, right? But the point of like the blueprints that we're trying to do is so that they avoid that kind of like shrinking process where you don't think about stuff so that you can, when you work on stuff, it kind of stays where it's at and then you can just progress something else or come back to it later and just actually have overtime progress, right? which I feel is a, is a real big issue when, when you're building a business. And usually it's a, an issue of like under documentation, not having the SOPs, not having all that, which is why in all the new blueprints, we're actually providing SOPs, we're providing all these things so that you can give them to staff. You can, we even provide you with like job offer, uh, job ad offer, sorry. So you can like find people to run these processes. 
I know for link builders, you even have like interview questions and all that stuff and so on. So we try to really like focus on this thing, on this process of like stuff doesn't shrink when you stop thinking about it. And that is something that uh, was kind of like first applied when we really systematize link building a lot. And and I think we've done a good job. I mean, even like if you want to check like Atari Hackers, Lingros has been doing okay, especially for like an online marketing site, which is like fairly difficult niche. I think we compared to like most like of the sites that started at the time at which we started. Obviously, if you check people who started ten years earlier than us, they will have more links. Uh, but compared to people that uh, of our sites who started at the same time, I think uh, our domain rating is more than respectable. For example, so that is something that we've done a good job at systematizing. Anything else you want to say about link building? No, but just you know, you sort of touched on it that once we figure, once that sort of clicked in our mind that like, oh, this is how you build a business and keep keep all the plates spinning without one collapsing. We started like, oh shit, how can we apply this same methodology to like everything, to hiring, to our content production processes, to our products, to our sales, to our email, like everything. That's why I applied that a lot to like the um, the editorial system as well, right? So like uh, you see, like I wrote like descriptions for each task in Asana and so on, so that like staff can go through it. There's like documents on Google Doc where they can just tick it and check it. Like uh, and there's multiple documents so that it's easy to update. Like one when it applies to like ten different types of tasks, etc. So like we've kind of like tried to optimize all these things so you don't have to 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 do. And I think it's kind of like it's kind of like the end game in like site building. I mean like sure I can tell you which WordPress plugins to install and we have a bunch of posts about that. But really the high end game and the way you're going to make a lot of money is by starting to master all these optimization efficiencies. And that's why a lot of the focus of the new blueprint especially is very 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 much on that. And I think like we've had really positive feedback from the H Pro members like the higher level people, it's really the stuff they worry about, you know. I was also I was going to say like it's not just for like site owners or entrepreneurs, but like agency people, in-house SEOs, uh, freelancers even. When when someone's hiring you to grow their site, to do their marketing, one of the biggest value adds you can you can provide is something which goes beyond what your hourly input can provide. So, you, you know, you can sit there and do some guest posting or, you know, produce some content and you can do X amount in a day. But if you build a system and you implement that in a, a client or um, for, for, you know, the company you work for, that is like so valuable for them. You're like creating intrinsic or creating like an asset value in in this this process in the system you're 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 building, and it's just like it's awesome. Yeah, that's how you get promoted, etc. Basically, let's just talk quickly about Evergreen Funnels. I'm not gonna go as deep in this because uh, we've talked a lot so far. Um, but like we also talk about funnels in Notary Hacker Pro. Like we talk about email lists, we talk about selling, we talk about even like it's, sometimes it's funnels with affiliate offers, sometimes it's funnels with your own products. We even have a blueprint that shows you how to create input products, for example, that Mark has done. But actually, same, that was kind of a journey for us. I remember when we had the agency, when we started, we kind of like were doing bespoke services like most people did, but we were really like, we wanted to, people to go on our website and just check out without us having to have a two-hour sales calls with them, which we kind of hated to do. So we worked quite hard on productizing services. Uh, I remember two of the main services we productized were guest posting, obviously. So like, you know, that fam- famous story of like we did a thousand a month. And we also did the blog posting service where we would like, you know, essentially sell packages of, it wasn't just blog posts, right? We would like write them, edit them, upload them, format them, promote them, you know, do some basic link building, maybe sometimes kind of like bundle it with some guest posting. And, and essentially offer that as a service. The guest posting service on its own was just much more popular, like selling links is, I always say like links are like the crack and cocaine of SEO. And it, it really is true. Uh, but I remember at the time, like to sell these services, uh, you know, to go back to my obsession with tools, I I forced you to, we, I think we had to sign up for one year of Infusionsoft. It costed like 297 or something per month at the time. We quote unquote got a discount. All of that to sell uh, to send a total of like seven broadcasts, I think, in total, and never building any automation in there. But that was our first try. We did sell a few. I remember I was posting on like forums, etc., to drive traffic to the sales page. We made a few sales, and and just the idea of people just landing on your website and checking out without you talking to them just got us fascinated since that since that point. Basically, it's been great. So. It wasn't exactly a huge success, but we made some money enough to actually keep going. And uh, another like public thing that we've done was like Health Mission. We actually got f- four, five info products on 
House Ambition launched. Some of them doing quite well. I remember the juicing, uh, the juicing ebook quite well. And it's literally like the first time where we started doing things like drip sequences. So people would land like on on the like on House Ambition, they would get a pop up, they would opt in for a free ebook, then they would get a sales sequence that would be sent to them that sells them that ebook, sends them to. A pretty shitty sales page. I'm sure if we saw the sales page today, we'd probably cringe. Even the ebook that we we're selling, though, it wasn't an ebook. It was we we just took all of our blog content and put it in a PDF and wrote an intro. That that was it. But the best part is we got like amazing testimonials. Like some people were emailing us and like we're like, oh my god, that's helped me so much. I've lost like 20 kilos and stuff. It's like great. <laughs> but we we learned a lot from this. Like this this was like a like a good implementation. I remember like I think at the peak like that ebook was like making like 3 4k a month. So it wasn't a hey, it wasn't like a crazy amount of money, but we've done multiple products like that. It, we're making decent money from these actually. And given the, the now looking back how how low level it was, there was no scarcity, there was nothing like that, etc. I think we did quite well. That's also at that time where we were doing affiliate email marketing. We were doing really well with that too. We were selling a lot, sending a lot of broadcast emails, like talking to like the biggest product owners in the industry. and Yeah, hundreds of dollars a day from our list on that, I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was nice. It was like, it was a nice extra passive income on top. We're not actually that big on Amazon at that point. We're mostly focused on these things, on like email and selling info products and doing all that stuff, which is a bit of a different trajectory than most people, I would say. But still, that, that got us like quite into email, focused a lot on this, did a lot of like broadcast sales, etc. And then the evolution of funnels, actually, the, I think the, the latest evolution, but to be honest, I think I will, I will still evolve it a bit more next year, is uh, the one you can find on Atari Hacker, actually, that you can see publicly. That would be the one we used to sell the Atari site system. We've sold a, a lot of these Atari site systems through that funnel with like evergreen webinars, evergreen scarcity, all of that. We've mentioned it many times. And that has taken us much deeper into email automation, etc. So we have a lot of that stuff documented in the evergreen funnel blueprint, in the email marketing blueprint. We talk also about giveaways in the giveaway blueprint. Uh, we actually like giveaways to build up these emails quite quickly, especially if you don't have one. So yeah, that's basically like uh, the origin story of like how we did evergreen, evergreen funnels slash funnels. And I don't think we will stop it. Even though it's not as popular as affiliate marketing, I think it's a mistake by most people. And I think you can make a lot of money. And I, actually, I want to build, a, we have a new case study site for Toy Hacker Pro. I want to build funnels on this and show people that they should do more funnels, actually. So that's probably coming at some point soon. Okay, let's jump on to the next segment now, which is going to be our three favorite Atari Hacker Pro members. I'm not going to put Kevin or Josh in there because they're going to get enough spotlight already. Uh, Kevin, I sent already last week the case study about him. He is doing really well, making almost six figures per month from his authority site. He has a book. He is the the, the price of a Timberland global ad campaign, etc. So it's pretty cool. All of that starting from like a three four hundred dollar affiliate site when he joined Atari Hacker Pro. So really, really proud of him and Josh as well. I mean, Josh is like probably like the biggest photography blog in the world right now. Expertphotography.com gets incredible organic traffic. Used a lot of like our content blueprints to get started with that. Applied his own spin to it, and now he's just killing it, making seven figures a year as well. So doing really well, but let's not talk about these members. Let's talk about uh, three others. And I'm going to start with, honestly, I, I, <laughs> I love him. Michael Gillipsy is like my favorite age pro member personally. Like I put in my notes, he's as grumpy as he's smart. He's kind of like that grumpy uncle at the Christmas dinner, you know, but he's also really smart and has like hilarious and very, very smart replies. And most importantly, he he rents a lot. Like he re- he will rent against like guest posting services, etc. Very often with very good arguments. I I would not disagree with a lot of his rents. He also he's really funny. There's like kind of like inner joke, inner circle joke in the H Pro group where since he shared that niche site about lettuce, which um, it's like it's the it's the most terrible niche you can ever find. Don't don't make a lettuce site, but like. Everyone just like loved it and just like bought domain names around lettuce and everything. And there's always a lettuce joke around. Definitely do not start a lettuce site, by the way. Just putting that out. <laughs> Don't like, I'm afraid some people will join H Pro and just take this to the first degree because like people are like, just like, oh my God, my lettuce site is growing so much, etc. Like, <laughs> I'm afraid like some people will join in and not get the joke. And uh, and start a lettuce site or something. That's why you should not copy other people's niches. 
All right, let let us be serious for a minute. Come on. <laughs> so he's that, but like he's also been sharing uh, massive, massive gems. I mean, he's, this guy has like big sides. I'm not gonna say the niches. I'm not gonna say any of that. He doesn't probably doesn't want to people to say that. But I've seen some of his sides. They're massive. He's doing really well. He's definitely a big, big, big player in the industry. And most importantly, he helps. Uh, age pro members and gives like really good advice like you know people talk about a certain tool or a certain ad network or something like that he's like well you know what i've been running millions of page views to this this hasn't done as well as this other thing just use this etc and he saved a lot of time to a lot of people so it's like we're really lucky to have him in the community and so i want to take this opportunity to say thank you to him for being here being super active and helping uh, age pro members and uh being both funny, grumpy, and helpful, basically. That's mine. Do you, want, do you want to pick someone, or should I just do everyone? <laughs> so the second one, actually, is kind of like a soft version of Mycogalipsy. Uh, <laughs> it's, okay, not in a bad way. Probably, uh, it's like Mycogalipsy is like a polarizing person. You love him or you hate him. Mark Jenner, most people will love him. Uh, so the next one is Mark Jenner. Uh, he's a, also a veteran site builder. Had a big exit recently. Not going to say the niche, but has been rebuilding in the past two, three years. Been doing quite well. Uh, most importantly, he's been really helpful to some members to the point where I actually found a post on the group where he posted a picture of like a teapot. This isn't a teapot. This is like a, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's a samovar tea making urn where you, it actually has a place where I think you put some kind of fuel below it it's a it's, it's like bigger than a chair basically yeah it's pretty intense yeah but basically he was sent that for like helping a member but i know he's helped many many people and uh he's been he's been a mentor to a lot of people so like again we're very lucky to have him he actually joined like right when we opened h pro and he's still here and still still very active in the community so yep super cool to have him as well and the last person I want to give a shout out to is uh, Vincent Deletto. He's actually running a big content agency called World Agents. But he doesn't really advertise his agency in the group. He just like uh, shares a lot of insights on like how to manage writers and produce content. Like a lot of people are like hiring writers full time and like, you know, how to find them, how to interview them, how to screen them, how to get the most out of them, how to manage them, that kind of stuff. He has been very helpful to a lot of members on that without ever pushing his services, even though I know a lot of members use him. And one thing that's been cool as well is he's taken a lot of our content templates and because he's running this as a, like a big operation for a lot of websites, first of all, he's been able to just produce content for some members following our templates, but he's also been able to evolve these templates, give feedback and actually help us improve on a lot of stuff we do in Notary Hacker Pro. And that's kind of like part of the value that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode is like, we have really smart people in there that like are able to give like really critical feedback on what we do. That's why, first of all, it must not be shit because these people would tell us right away. But second of all, like it's been evolving so much because of these people's input. So overall, it's been really cool to have these people basically. So I want to give a shout out to these three. There's a lot more people that I did not mention. This would be a whole episode, so I'm not going to do all of that. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe if, if HPro members riot on the group, then we'll do a, a member highlight or something. Oh, a lot of people want to stay anonymous as well. I know that for sure. So let's finish with something cool that you learn from members, right? So like we are part of the group. We are acting like members of the group. And a lot of members of the group are showing really cool stuff. So uh, like give us one or two examples of something you've learned from members of the HPro group. So Possibly the coolest, well, possibly the most practical thing I think was from uh, Eric Carell. He put me first on to this tool called Pitchbox, which we started using for our sort of higher end sniper type outreach. And it's it's amazing. It's 500 bucks a month, so it's not cheap, but it's it's amazing. It's a complete game changer of a tool. And I honestly had never heard of anyone talking about it or using about it. It doesn't have that much publicity. He was an early adopter. He runs a link building agency. So that's why he's sort of doing a lot. And yeah, it's been, been a big, big, uh, big win for us on that. The other, uh, the other, like the most impressive thing I think I've seen from the the community like inspirational thing I think was Kevin's where he bought a site in his niche for I think he got got it for like a thousand dollars it's like a guy's blog who just he, he'd been this guy had been blogging for ages at so many links he outreached to him I think he just emailed him so the site wasn't for sale right he just emailed the guy and then the guy it was like would you sell and the guy said yes and he offered him a thousand dollars or 1500 bucks or something and he, it was worth and he, he sold it and he... 
the site had a hundred thousand visits per month, if I remember well. So like just in like ad revenue, it was like more than that in a month, you know. He redirected it to his main site and he start and he made like started making like tens of thousands of dollars in extra traffic from from it, something crazy like that. It was so cool to see. Yeah, so that was one of the case studies that was shared by Kevin. Uh, I have one with uh, one of our member called David. I won't give his last name. I don't think he wants it to be shared, but he shared like a really cool trick on how to find outdated content on big sites using Ahrefs uh, Content Explorer. And uh, essentially he explained that he just pings these people and offers them to update the content for free. And uh, essentially puts his links in the updated content so that he links to some of his content. But what's really powerful is when you do that over a guest post is like you actually get links from pages that might already have links. So you can actually update content that has a lot of links. And as a result, you can, uh, you essentially get more powerful links than you would from guest posting by like offering to update content. I thought that was, he actually made a video showing how to do it. It's in the group. So go and find it if you just join HPro. And there was also someone who called Simon Lisa, who is like obsessed with site speed. In, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's like, it's kind of cool to have these kind of people in a group, right? It's like, I, I think site speed is important, but I'm not obsessed like nearly as much as he is. But he managed to get his random previews with like comparison tables, et cetera, load in 0.3 seconds, which is insane. Like with like images, et cetera, like big stuff, et cetera. And uh, literally, uh, like he literally ran an AMA like uh, for site speed tricks and like gave a bunch of things to optimize. And like he put me on track for like the premium version of Cloudflare with the Railgun stuff, et cetera. And that actually helped us improve our own site speed. We didn't quite get to 0.3 seconds because we didn't uh, go as crazy as him, but still he has been helping me quite a bit. I messaged him privately as well. And he gave me a bunch of tips and tricks and plugins, et cetera, to, to use to like speed things up. So that's another thing I got from the community. So I think we're done with this podcast, but if you've listened so far, we're actually going to drop a bit of an Easter egg. Listen so far and you end up joining Atelier Hacker Pro during this launch. The first 10 people that go on the Facebook group and just post Bazinga, we will send them a free Atari Hacker t-shirt. Limited first edition t-shirt. There's only going to be, I think, 50 of them in existence. So you'll be you'll be one of those lucky few. So the first 10 only, uh, please, let's like, once I say it's over, please stop, don't spam the group, otherwise it's, gonna be, it's not going to be a good idea. The first 10 people that do that, will get a t-shirt, we'll, get, we'll just ping you, get your address and send it to you. Anywhere in the world, yeah. Yeah, anywhere in the world. So that's basically, that is Atari Hacker Pro launch. It is live right now. It is not going to be live for very long and it will definitely not come back until the middle of next year or even later. So if you want to join now, you can go on atarihacker.com slash pro and you get every information that you need, what is included, the price, all of that, the sales video that will explain to you everything show you a bunch of case studies from members and what you get inside the community and all of that so that if you're interested we are looking forward to see you in there mark and i are always in there we are dropping videos all the time and just updating stuff there's a bunch of new blueprints as well i mean in total the blueprints is like 370 videos i think uh, so that's a lot of content for you to go through so we're really happy to see you in there more coming next year as well so that's it for this podcast guys atoyhacker.com slash pro thank you for listening uh, to the end I don't know everyone does that so thanks for that have a good week and we'll see you next week bye <laughs>